This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Deep Focus Podcast, part of the Playlist Podcast Network. I'm your host, Rodrigo Perez. I'm also the editor-in-chief of theplaylist.net. This week on the podcast, we have the filmmaker Neil Blomkamp, the director of District 9, Elysium, Chappie, and his upcoming IFC Midnight film, Demonic. Demonic is slightly different from Blomkamp, who usually traffics in, you know, high-concept sci-fi with a socio-political edge. Demonic is his first horror film, and it's more of a supernatural horror possession film at that. You know, Demonic is also a product of the pandemic, something he shot in British Columbia, Canada on his own with his Oats Studios and outside the Hollywood studio system. Um, one could argue that, you know, Blom- Blomkamp is modeling himself after sci-fi elders like James Cameron and Peter Jackson. And with, with that Oats Studios in BC, which has kept him very busy for uh, the last several years, uh, he's kind of created his own independent world in the West Coast of Canada, where, you know, filmmaking is becoming uh, a huge industry there. If it's not already, it's pretty reminiscent of what Robert Rodriguez has with his Troublemaker Studios in Austin, Texas, too. You know, the, the ability to kind of make yourself independent on your own and some studio doesn't come knocking, you're going to create something, whether it's a commercial, a music video, a short film, uh, Oat Studios does does all of it. Um, and they're, you know, on the cutting edge and working with some pretty high-end um, new tech uh, that they keep developing. And in case, you know, you think Blomkamp has been burned by Hollywood, you know, he hasn't made a film in six years. And during this downtime, he tried to make an Alien 5 movie with Sigourney Weaver and a Robocop reboot, among other things. You know, guess again. This He sounds... Completely content, unbitter, and very re- realistic about the pitfalls of working with Hollywood and IP that you don't own. I found his comments to be just very refreshing. He's just very aware of those pitfalls and what happens and doesn't seem to be taking any of it too hard. Um, I kind of admire that. Going in, you know, clear-eyed with uh, what you're going to be trying to pull off. Anyhow, for Demonic, Blomkamp married narrative ideas of horror that is, he's had floating around in his head with volumetric capture technology, which is a little bit like motion capture, but kind of not. And you just kind of have to see the movie to understand how it all works. Uh, the technology is still in its nascent stage, but Blomkamp loves to experiment and toy with technology, but thankfully never at the expense of story and narrative. He's very well aware of its importance and speaks to that at length, too. In this episode, he tells us all about the creation and conception and shooting of Demonic, his attempts to bring Alien 5 to the screen. He thinks it's deader than Dillinger, by the way. A little bit about Robocop, and he touches upon perhaps... More films in the Elysium universe, and also a sequel to District 9, which he's now actively working on. All that and more in a conversation that spans about 40-something minutes. I hope you dig it and enjoy it. IFC Midnight will release Neil Blomkamp's Demonic in theaters and everywhere you rent movies August 20th. So make sure you check that out. Before I forget, and as always, Deep Focus is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real regular weekly playlist podcasts, The Discourse, The Fourth Wall, and more. And we can be heard on iTunes, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcasts. 
do us a big, big favor. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and drop us a comment or a rating as we do appreciate it. Thank you for being a loyal listener and a loyal patron of our site. We appreciate it. So yeah, that's the end of my spiel. Here's me talking to Neil Blomkamp. Thanks. Hey, how you doing? Good. How's it going? Good. What's going on? Just, you know, sitting in my garage. Where's that? Uh, it's in British Columbia. It's like four hours east of Vancouver. Cool. Cool. Yeah. Um, I am Canadian, so I sort of know it. I don't know BC well, but um, I'm from Toronto and I, uh, uh, I noticed uh, a lot of, <laughs> you know, the 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 locale for sure especially in some of those places like that early on where they're having a drink outside and they're at like some sort of cottage or something there's beautiful scenic <laughs> mountains and trees. yeah that's that's all that's all here i mean it's the it's the okanagan valley in bc so yeah well that's what i assumed i was like oh yeah this looks you know again i've never been out there but you know being canadian you kind of you can't help but know a little bit about that kind yeah. of stuff so, so tell me about this. Um, you know, I was, I was, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm really, I'm a little bit like uh, freaked lately because, you know, this Delta variant and everything going on. And, and then I'm realizing, you know, a lot of this is on my mind at the moment. And, and this, you know, was shot during the pandemic, right? And there's a lot of like the horror thing that's going on. And there's a lot of like fear and anxiety and conspiracies and crazy stuff going on in that. And I thought, wait, are we, are we talking in the movie or are we talking in the real world? No, I'm talking about in the movie. In the movie. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, At least that's how I I read some stuff. And, 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 uh, I, I wanted to know how much uh, some of the, the movie was born from, from that stuff, because I know that, you know, you'd shot it then, but who knows when you wrote it, but I'm just curious uh, how, how much of the world that was going on and all this anxiety and stuff that's going on. I, I felt a lot of it in the movie. Maybe it's just uh, yeah coincidental, but um, how much of it came from that? I, I definitely, I definitely think it's that it's an, an inescapable thing that there would be some levels of anxiety that that are worked into the fabric of the movie. You know that that it's not it's it's unavoidable. I think, yeah. um, especially back then when you it's it, everything seemed so uncertain. You know, it wasn't clear what the hell was going on, yeah. um, but the genesis of it really was wanting to shoot a, a small self-funded horror film. And I always wanted to do that. And then the, the closure of the film industry and the closure of, of sort of countries and industries in general felt like it felt like an opportunity to go out and do that. And, and a lot of people in film that I knew weren't working. And um, I mean, it was actually a lot of crew members from our, from our Oat Studios experimental studio that were on the film. So the timing was right. And I had a bunch of ideas that were separate ideas um, that I hadn't ever really distilled into a movie. They were just things that I wanted to do or, or, or ideas that I wanted to, to play with at some point. And so when this happened, I kind of, I, I just dusted them off and then, and then figured out a way to um, make them live together. I mean, one thing that's always interested me is that you generally write most of your films with your partner, Terry, right? And, and this one's credited to yourself. So I was just wondering how that, how that differs and did it come together fast in that way that like, you know, you said like, this is the moment, like, did it just coalesce kind of fast? 
Well, what, what happened was, was that, I mean, again, I come back to this thing of, of the goal really was to make, to make something that was inspired by these other low budget self-created horror films. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so I knew that I had that, I had that idea in my head and that whether that was demonic possession or it was something else, it was, it it was something within the genre of horror. And then, um, and then I had this idea about using volumetric capture in some sort of matrix like simulation. And then I had a separate idea that was to do with the Vatican being, you know, trying to portray the Vatican in, in more of a 20, trying to portray the horror trope of the Vatican in a 21st century, more Google kind of way. Right. Um, and so, so once it was like, well, clearly this is what, clearly we're making something, then I kind of dusted off all of those things and merged them and played, played around with it until it felt like a story structure that I liked and then um, wrote the first draft. And, you know, um, it, the movie was very unusual. Like the whole movie was put together backwards. It was, it was a case of what do we have access to? What, what ideas exist already? What would be fun to do? What locations can we get? And, yeah. and working it backwards as opposed to the proper process of writing it and then just, you know, figuring out how to make it. Right, that's interesting. That's gotta be a challenge and, and quite different, I, I imagine. Yeah, it was. Tell me about the 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 volumetric uh, uh, element to it, which is obviously different and and unusual. And it seems like there's like some new tech there that that you're using. Um, that was really interesting as well. I, I, tell me a little bit about that because I don't I, the VR world is something that like you know don't know all that much about, and it was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, volumetric capture is just it's just a new form of uh, it, it's not really like motion capture, but the closest thing would probably be motion capture. So you're capturing your actors in three dimensions, um, like a like a holographic piece of video, mm-hmm. and you can drop them into any other CG environment that you want. So they were they were captured in a very sterile um, environment on a, on a stage with 250 cameras looking at them in, in like a, in a scaffolded cage environment. Uh, mm-hmm. and then separately we scanned the locations like her house and, and the sanitarium, um, and turned them into 3d, uh, environments. And then you drop those characters into these environments and then you, you know, you begin to build it. So that, that, that was one of the things that was in the back of my mind that I wanted to do was, how could I how could I use volumetric capture at some point in future? And because it's so glitchy and the resolution isn't isn't perfect yet, yeah. how do I write it into the story that that the audience would accept this level of prototype nature to how it looks? Right. Um, yeah. Um, what is it generally used for then? Is it is it generally like video games, VR? Like what what is the, the application that it's? I mean, it's useful? it's so new that it's it's hard to know exactly what the application is. It's it's weird. It's it's like I think I don't know. I feel like the most usage I've seen of it is with apps where you can you can um, volume capture someone who's giving you a demo of something. And then in 3D, if you hold up your phone, they would be in the room showing you where stuff is oh, um, wow. because they really are fully three-dimensional, which is the crazy part. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it's hard to know exactly what the application is. I think the application will be more and more film as, right. as the resolution gets to a point where you don't need to justify why it looks glitchy. Right. At, at some point, maybe it's going to be the same sort of seamless thing as, as motion capture, right? Possible. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all of them start off the same way, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just early. Right, right, right. Uh, 
So I guess some of it must be driven from that. It sort of reminds me a little bit of like, I know certain filmmakers, uh, I'm always stuck with a story um, by Michel Gondry who said he used to love music videos as a way to test out his ideas. Yeah. Um, especially the, 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 the techie kind of yeah. uh, uh, elements of it, the, the visual, something that he might think that, mm, I don't know if this is gonna work, but I'll try yeah. it in a music video or a commercial yeah. because you know the stakes are lower, right? Like it's, it's three minutes, whatever, um, that kind of thing. And then he- It's also, it's not only the stakes though. It's not only that the stakes are lower, it's more that, that the format that you're doing isn't 100% um, defined by narrative and character right. so it you can play because the audience will accept it sure so then that that probably leads to like a sense of kind of freedom right because if this is like this technology it's not really used in narrative nobody knows what it's used for or yet it doesn't it hasn't concretized the app yeah. the, the application for it so it, it must give you a, a kind of sense of freedom maybe yeah, I mean, the closest thing for me doing that was Oates Studios. Like all of the experimental stuff that we did at Oates would be my version of Michel Gondry's music videos. So this film is different, though, because the audience doesn't care if it's low budget. The audience doesn't care if Volcap doesn't really work. Like the audience only cares if they like the movie, if they engage with the character or engage with the story or feel scared. So um, so this this didn't have the same feeling as what Michel was going for with with doing music videos. Yeah, as, as soon as you're in the framework of something that's roughly three acts and, you know, you're, you're, you're asking people to invest that amount of time to watch something, the, the, the narrative structure is, it just takes control and is by far the priority. So this other stuff better work. I, I don't know if it was intentional or not, probably, but like one element that I really liked was sort of the, the, the scene where she's with, um, I, I forget the guy's name, uh, the, the second lead character, um, yeah. when, when, when he's sort of like downloading all the information to her. Yeah. Uh, it, it, you know, it's a, a bit expository, but you know, they're in that, that dark room and he tells her all this stuff and he's kind of overwhelming her with all this stuff. It's just a big download of stuff and it's overwhelming me. I guess it's probably intentional to overload the audience and it's like, oh my God, what? <laughs> and there's this whole element of the Vatican that comes in and it's very, you know, so, somewhat confusing in a good way because you're, oh my God, what? And then, uh, and, and then there's this sort of, you know, insidious level of like the Vatican or like what you could imagine that, you know, the, the yeah. Masons or whatever, there's this kind of thing where you trying to draw specifically on maybe some kind of, uh, you know, that kind of, uh, like that, that, that's where I sort of meant like the, the little bit idea that the conspiracy that the people thinking like oh these people actually have done this for millions of years and that that kind of element really kind of got to me this sort of this yeah. anxiety of like oh my god the Vatican's involved what and now there's a military element to it I'm like what yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. sort of like increasing my anxiety <laughs> yeah I mean you know the the objective of the entire movie uh the the the, the summary of the one thing that I was trying to do was to create a sense of of dread and foreboding and and anxiety and and low level paranoia that was just simmering under the film the whole time right. that that was really that was really the reason i wanted to make it was just to see if that was like something i could do so um yeah any any kind of anxiety or, or stress out over any elements of the film is a good thing well it's also i guess like sort of said at the beginning is a nice byproduct of what's kind of going on in the world in the way that it can sort of echo into a lot of people's general you know mm -hmm. cultural anxieties right mm -hmm. yeah 
Um, tell me about these these actors because uh, they're really cool and I don't really know them, but I'm assuming they're they're Canadian and, and local actors. Yeah, Carly, uh, Carly, the lead. She she lives in LA, but she's Canadian, so she. Um, they, I think. I mean, obviously, she was able to cross the border before. I think the border closed. She just had oh, to wow. quarantine. Um, but a lot of them were people that I had worked with in our in our Oat Studios stuff. So um, Chris Williams Martin and Michael Rogers um, and Carly had all done stuff uh, in in the in the uh, the sort of YouTube experimental um, films that we were doing. And I knew that in this other low budget kind of uh, you know chaotic smaller film production style that they would be that they would be cool in that environment under pressure but they also had the acting ability that um would would make it believable oh cool so yeah oh it's that's that's the one that i think you, that's the it's sort of like a streaming like thing right it's like meant to be for um uh like more experimental shorts is that right yeah tell me a little bit more about that one just the creation of it and then some of its goals, names, because I'm not sure everybody's all that familiar with it. Yeah, so Oats, Oats Studios is is something that's designed to, it's never it's never meant to be connected to Hollywood in any way. If, if anything, it's closer to the game industry. And um, it's, a, it's a sort of venue for me to, to, um, to experiment and, and play with ideas that, that, that I want to just make, really. Hmm. So maybe in that sense, not all that different conceptually from what I was saying with that Michelle Legendre idea a little bit, right? Yeah, like, that's 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 what I that's what I was saying when you were talking about Michelle that that Oats would be my version of that. Oh, okay. And so yeah. you did some shorts in that, right? I think there's one called Raka. Yeah. Um, uh, and 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 so like, you've obviously got this expansive uh, curiosity and interest in uh, maybe those things aren't from like you said quite video games because it, it's 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 technology, but. Are you, do you look for, you know, things like that? Are you like, I mean, it already sounds like everything on the, doing your sort of the bleeding edge and looking on technology. Is that, is that something that is uh, always uh, like fascinating for you? Like, is that, does that help you even develop narrative ideas? Do narrative ideas feed that? How, how does that work for you? Uh, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't think the story ideas start there. I, I think, you know, they, they have to come from some other emotional place, but um but I think, I think that my interest in the technological stuff is more from a standpoint of images rather than, mm -hmm. than the technology itself. Like, I love the way that volume capture looks as this lo-fi, glitchy, polygonal uh, mm -hmm. image. So it, it's, you know, I, I would rather not deal with 250 cameras around the actors causing like a bunch of, of headaches. I would, I would rather not have that. I would rather it just look that way. So I, I don't know whether I'm drawn to the technology. I think it's less that and more images that that are interesting it's 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 along the same lines as michelle gondry with the experimentation that he's doing it's the same kind of thing it's like oh that could be interesting i'll save that in a back pocket because at some point if i have the right narrative outline i can i can use this somehow um yeah so do you think because i see your career a little bit in in that same way like i remember you know in elysium there was a lot of talk of some of the cutting edge stuff that you were doing in that visually some of the, it's hard for me to explain, but some of those kind of splintery that looked like, you know, some of the images that looked yeah. jittery in a way that like almost, uh, like it, it was sort of accentuating the viscera of the violence. Um, yeah. And so do you see yourself in that way as like running two parallel tracks of one of this 
you know, visual formal thing, and then one of like narrative and, and emotion and then trying to marry the two. Yeah, yeah, I think I think I mean, I, I you know, obviously, filmmaking is very visual art. Yeah. And and it yeah. uses it uses a bunch of uh, I mean, it uses music and, and audio scapes and, and it combines a whole bunch of different arts. So the the way I guess the for me, the way to, th to think of it is um, there's there's a story that people are sitting down around a campfire to listen to. So the story, the story is the primary thing. And if if once you have the story um, and you're working in this in this visual medium, then you can you know the, the paintbrush that covers that story could be anything it could be it could be shot in a different period it could be shot in a different genre perhaps um so it, you kind of have to get that worked out first and once you have that then you should also try to get it to be as interesting in this visual field as you can make it right. so i think it's, it's some version of that probably is in the back of my head um are you are you a big gamer are you are like does that kind of stuff feed into you a little bit like you know Maybe, maybe a bit. I mean, I don't know whether I'm a big gamer. I have a, I have an interest in games, but I don't spend a lot of hours playing games. Right. And what about like VR stuff? Do you do you do that? I'm, I mean, I'm equally interested in VR, but I would spend even less time using it. Um, I'm, I'm <laughs> super interested in where it could go. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, because because I think you were gonna do were you gonna you were gonna do Halo once a million years ago, right? Yeah. And was that born of being a fan of those games, or was it more? Something? I mean, the games the games are cool. the The lore and the world is what is what drew me in. Like the 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 world that Halo paints is a very cool world. Um, uh, from from a science fiction kind of larger, uh, you know, huge sci fi scope, it's just you, there's a lot of interesting stories you could tell in there, um, and. It's it's very it's very ripe for some kind of Hollywood adaptation if if they could mine those elements out of it correctly it's, it's super cool so it's like a modern I mean it's not the same as Tolkien at all but it's it's a modern version of something that could be as expansive as as a world that Tolkien created right right like yeah I mean I I I suppose that's uh, you know emblematic of your work in general because you know all of them have this cool sci-fi hook and all this stuff but there's obviously a whole texture there in a world. Um, obviously, you know, District Nine's got a, a massive world that you know obviously can still be mined, and and at least you have those great. The you know, I what I like about that movie is uh, especially generally, you know, like it's a little bit ahead of its time with the idea. Like right now with the whole, I was thinking of that movie a lot lately, especially with the whole Jeff Bezos and and yeah. you know uh, uh, all these. Uh, I'd love to. I'd love to make more films in the in the world of Elysium. I love. I love the the setup of that world. You know, this the the world that it puts forward is very interesting to me. Right, and and also very very of the moment with these idea of you know like what did someone say the other day like you know these billionaires taking rocket penises into the world or in space and 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 taking care of themselves there and it's like the very yeah. like that the haves and have nots and. And mm -hmm. the, 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 this echoing of, you know, the world that you created in that movie is, is maybe we're going to see that one day, you know, where yeah. like haves and have nots and we got yeah, yeah. No, no, it'll, it'll, it'll go in that direction for sure. Um, it's already going are, in that direction. Yeah. I mean, are, are, so to that end, are, are you, you know, dystopian in, in your outlook of, of, of how you see things going? Like it, it depends on what timeline you're talking about. Like, um, 
I, I think the human race will probably be okay over over a long enough timeline. I think I think in the near in the near term, in the you know the next sort of hundred years, right to one hundred and fifty years, I think it's going to get extremely intense. Uh, that that probably looks a little bit more like a dystopia, um, it, and it's it's highly unpredictable what comes out on the other end. But I don't I don't think that we'll wipe ourselves out. But I think that there will be. Um, huge huge amounts of of geo geopolitical and geocultural changes that are just unavoidable at this point i mean collapses and and some serious shit's coming i totally think you're right it's, it's like it's horrible but the way we can't seem to even you know like i was joking to my wife the other day it's like you, you could make write a movie about the, uh, the pandemic in let's say in a movie kind of way right and your tagline might be like they were brilliant enough to create the cure, but stupid enough not to take it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Which maybe kind of sums yeah. up the next, what everything, what we just talked about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think it's a case of, um, it, 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 it's like, I mean, humans are, humans are very intelligent, but they're, they're also short-term thinkers and, and, you know, the, the governing sort of evolutionary biological function, the, the forces that guide us, um, are, are very near-term related things. We're not long-term thinkers. It's not, it's not built into us. It's, it's, it, we have a rational component that can think long-term, but it's not, it's not in our core being. So with that, you, you, get, you, you find yourself in a situation that is, that is ba basically unfixable, except with, with catastrophe. Yeah, I hear you on that. Um, was making this movie, other than, you know, obviously Hollywood shut down, everything shut down, you're sort of making it out of necessity or some way that, you know, let's just do this. We have this technology, we have some, we have the capabilities, we can do this. Um, but is some of it built out of maybe the frustration out of working in those systems. You know, I, I think the last movie you had made was... Uh. 2015 or something uh, in in that studio no, system, right? no i wouldn't i wouldn't say so I, I it was just as enjoyable as the studio films are yeah yeah no i think i think it was it was i i i'm in the mental place now where i want to make a bunch of films and i i wasn't there for the last five years um i was experimenting with oats and you know doing other stuff um so my headspace now is is i want to make a bunch of films and at right at the point that I was like, okay, let's, uh, let's, let's get back into Hollywood and let's get back into filmmaking. It's uh, the pandemic happened. So it's like, cool, I'll shoot this and then I'll, then I'll shoot more. Right. So is it fair to maybe say that like, you know, uh, what have we got like a six year gap or something like that? 2001 yeah. to 2015. And I think yeah, yeah. Yeah. So is it fair to say that, you know, you got your own thing going on and then you're also developing other stuff, but if that stuff doesn't happen, I got oats and I'm doing, I'm doing stuff. It's not like I'm, you know, living. Yeah, no, no. I mean, yeah. If I if I was just like sitting around uh, doing doing nothing, that would have been problematic. But I I I, I did want to take take time just to think about the larger um, the the larger in Hollywood directing version of me, uh, yeah. and then I also wanted to to build our experimental stuff that we were making, um, and you know, yeah. Now I now I feel now I feel good. So I I want to get back to get back to normal normal filmmaking for a bit. You were developing a lot of stuff there. Is is that stuff? You know, I think it was like um, aliens and and RoboCop and things like that. Is that stuff heartbreak or is that just kind of the way it goes? You know, like tell me a little bit about making those. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, they were they were just. It's the process of filmmaking. I mean, I think I think lots of 
there, there are many examples of films that go down, you know, with directors and it's for whatever reason. Right. Um, you, you just have to go into it with your eyes open and know that the, 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 the ground can shift if it's a piece of IP that you don't control. Yeah, I, you know, I just take it in my stride. In, in that sense, is it, I mean, you've created a lot of your own IP, <laughs> you know what I mean? There's not necessarily like sequels and stuff yet, but yeah. uh, you've created the ground floor of, of, of a potential, a lot of IP. So mm. um, is that, you know, I see you in that way as a little bit of an outsider, like in a good way, like a rebel, like you're doing mm. your own kind of thing. I, it almost makes me think of you as like, uh, maybe a Canadian analog to someone like Robert Rodriguez, who's got his own studio and is kind of doing his own thing as well. He works in his own studio system, yeah. but kind of doesn't yeah. need them if they're not going to, you know? Yeah, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not actively, you know, just only doing my own stuff. It's, it's just that after Halo and after Alien, you just have to really have your eyes open about, about the way that, uh, the way that, that IP can, can, um, it, it can it can change in a political sense very quickly and if you're not in a position that that you control it, it, it you know it can have like large ramifications on on a lot of time that you've put into something that that, that doesn't happen so you know that's fine i mean that's that you know people people uh, forget how commerce driven and just economically driven the whole industry is you know it's like these are these are the parts of of filmmaking that that allow also for hundreds of millions of dollars to be put into imagery on the other side of the spectrum, you know, when, when they do happen. So it's fine. You know, I still to this day, a lot of people talk about your, your, the, you know, even this, the image, and we don't know, know that much about it, but we just, excuse me, saw those images of, of, you know, what you'd posted, I think I was on Instagram from alien, whatever it would have been called alien, alien five, like people still talk about that to this day. There's something that they want to see. Mm. well they won't <laughs> you don't think that ever could come back no no you had sigourney on board right yeah yeah i mean if you have sigourney on board you know you'd think that would be enough but i guess not right that's a bummer yeah um so is it maybe in that sense is it fair to say that you know you're obviously come from this world of uh of sci-fi and but like you know the smart sci-fi stuff that has something to say the thoughtful um that i think you know i think alien would have been a good fit because you know it's from that world and as was uh, i think robocop is something you were working and it's definitely from that same world yeah. the thoughtful texture to it there's a, a world going on outside of just this robot thing um is it is it fair to say that um you might not put your your eggs in those baskets in in the future going forward and or or how do you, how well, do you maybe maybe not i mean you know, not, not those pieces of IP, but I'm, I'm certainly open to other stuff. I mean, it's, you know, there's, there's tons of pieces of IP controlled by studios that are amazing. You know, the whole world is filled with, with awesome worlds created by, by filmmakers and, and writers. So if the, if the right thing came along and it seemed stable, um, I would certainly look at it. I, I just, you know, I, 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 I would be weary, but I would be totally down to, to, to look at anything like that. Right. So what I'm kind of hearing is that like a lot of it is just like a lot of a lot of cooks, which is just sort of the nature of it. It's not necessarily a a bad thing. It's just that's what you, you got to know. Going well, that, that, that's forward. slightly different. I mean, the, the lots of cooks thing is that the, the, that's a different situation. Um, this this is like Halo and Alien are more cases of, of you know, there's there's no cooks. Uh, the rug just gets pulled out like the film isn't getting made. It's a different thing. Um, so. 
and and that that can happen in a in a corporate like in a in a in in an organization that wants to be very protective and and intelligent about what they do with their IP, you know, because they want to profit from it. They 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 will have different points of view to to people that are coming at it from a creative standpoint. Sometimes, not not you know, they're not they're not always going to see eye to eye. Right, right, and I guess there was I guess at the time maybe there was with especially with not so much probably Robocop, but at the time with Alien, I think there was different different plates moving on with that franchise right like they were doing different things and had different plans that maybe don't yeah exactly on. exactly you know and and it is uh, at the end of the day i mean even though ridley was producing it like it is it is the world that he, it, he brought that to the world so you know if he if he changes his mind and there's there's a you know there's a director on it that he doesn't want or what whatever it may be it's like you 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 know, it's his, it's, it's like, I, I understand that it, it, that makes, that makes logical sense to me. Um, and, and those plates that were up in the air and, and, and all of the different avenues and directions that the project could go, uh, is up to, you know, the people that created it and the people that are financing. So. Fair enough. Uh, my last question about that, were you <laughs> slightly annoyed or irked that it seemed like they had a plan and then after covenant, it seemed like it kind of went away and, you were there for a moment and no, the, the stuff that I was doing was pre covenant, right? It was really, it was really, um, I, I, yeah, my, my version of alien was, was not around when covenant was being made. So it, it, mine died before that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess that sort of, uh, you know, leads me a little bit to, uh, again, we were talking my P your, your worlds, the worlds that you created have, if you thought about, you know, I feel like, like you said, Elysium, District District Nine. Those are very rich worlds, and and you, in in some uh, ways. Well, well, I mean, District Nine. We're working on a script for a sequel, so I I, I do actively want to make that film in the, mm -hmm. in the near future. Um, Elysium doesn't have anything like that yet, but I I just I just love. I just love that world. I mean, from a creative level, I just want to go back to it. I just haven't thought long and hard enough yet about how to do that, but um, but I would I would totally love to. So in that sense, do you, you know, it's been a while since District 9 and that was a huge hit and it was such a left field hit. Um, do you let these things kind of come to you or, you know, are you not? Yeah, in, in the case of District 9, that is what happened. I mean, it was like, there's no reason to do a sequel until the sequel makes sense to you on a level other than doing it because you're doing a sequel. And I, I played around with ideas for a long time like various different scripts were written it just isn't it just was like why am i this, this doesn't feel you know everything that i was trying to say in the first movie was said um and and then uh and then like th th there was something you know maybe a couple of years ago that um that changed that for me where all of a sudden i i understood what what it was and now now i just i really love it so there's there's a reason to make it it's like i i i, I understand on a level beyond just making it for the sake of making it why it should be made and so that it, it, i'm sure you don't want to necessarily say but like does it does it because the, the first one's born out of a lot of like you know social economic kind of stuff um is is that sort of another impetus for for these this thing maybe <laughs> i don't know i don't i don't want to get into it okay okay fair enough uh, fair enough. You know this this new one. Like you've done, uh, you've done elements of, of uh, all your movies have elements of horror, but this is much more direct horror in a kind of way. You know, demonic possession seems to be in the kind of even supernatural realm, which is probably something you I, I don't 
think you've quite done that. And no. or was it a desire to to maybe dip your toe a little bit more into that realm and play with that kind of thing? Yeah. It's been more. Yeah. No, for sure. I mean, like like I was saying about about wanting to do something like paranormal activity at some point. You know, it was it was very firmly in the realm of wanting to do something supernatural and something that from a filmmaking standpoint would give me the opportunity to try to make this unsettling feeling of watching the film that it would just feel kind of like something is is amiss the whole time um and i you know it is fun actually working working in that genre i mean i could i could see myself going back to it more it's uh it's different in that way that the the one the specific that you're talking about because there's like horror but then there's the 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 mechanics the rhythm of this sort of world that before it gets too scary you've got the that that inset, unsettling kind of thing that this is this hum is again the anxiety that has to run for a while right do you do you find it, are you talking about in demonic specifically or do you mean yeah, across, yeah, yeah, yeah. across the board well, yeah. i guess okay. both but yeah, yeah. like I, I think uh, yours has that too where you know um, is it is it fun to play with that kind of rhythm that you know you have to sort of stretch out this elasticity of 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 uh, of uh, this unsettling feeling before you get to the you know it, yeah. it's like the you know I guess even you look at the first alien it has similar kind of vibe to it too right yeah I mean I you know I hadn't I hadn't done anything like that before so I just um, I just wanted to experiment with that and and I mean in this ultra low 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 budget realm the thing that you can that you're not you're not able to use a lot of the tools that you would normally use so it's like you start focusing on how just maybe just shots you know just the cutting tempo in the edit the, the music selection the sound design selection like stuff that's like very affordable to to start creating this this feeling of um of this brooding kind of layer that lies underneath the film so that's rewarding i mean it's fun to do you know it's just like it's an interesting different way to think about filmmaking for me right i was going to say just the whole you know especially because a lot of your stuff is much more visceral thrilling faster the grammar probably changes as, as a filmmaker and making it right mm -hmm. yeah it does um what do you what would you say are i mean i some of them are probably pretty obvious but what were the things that really inspired you to to want to make films like what were the movies that you saw and you were just like this is i don't know how young you started but um, clearly, you know, stuff influenced you. <laughs> uh, I think Alien was probably the film that made me want to make films, I would say. Um, and, and also Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah. 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 Because I, I, was, I was 13 when Jurassic Park came out, and that had a, that had a huge effect on me. Um, those two are the two obvious ones that I can think of. Uh, mm -hmm. But I mean, you know, I saw Dr. Strangelove when I was like a teenager, and that, that's one of my favorite films ever. Um, and the, the whole like quirky satirical nature of discussing massive concepts with this like dark satirical humor. Um, I, that, that's another film also that I, that I, I always think of when I, when I think of wanting to get into filmmaking. It's just, I just love the feeling of that movie. I can see that. I can definitely see that because I think that comedic edge is definitely there, especially in, in uh, I would say the first three films, you know, there's the yeah. satire. Yeah. Yeah, there's an, sure. there's an element of something something quirky happening. for sure and and everything that you've done i mean i mean you brought him to us essentially to the world but like uh i'm going to pronounce his name incorrectly but shart shartlow is that shalta see thank you uh he's just hysterical yeah and and the way you <laughs> used him each time yeah he's just so 
good at that. Have you have you seen the God the God shorts from Oats? No. You should look at those because it's Shalto. It's pretty interesting. Oh yeah. Yeah. I find him just he's just standing there and I'm laughing. I, he's just so um hysterical to me. He's got this this thing. Um he's so good in all these things. Um which also the, the sort of satirical edge you're talking about reminds me a little bit of Chappie. And I know that in some circles, Chappie's a little bit, I find, unfairly maligned. Did you did you feel that a little bit? Like in in, in a I, I think that movie's hysterical. I think it's really funny. And I love the use of uh, God, what are the names of those rappers? I forget their names. Um yeah, Dion um, Ford. Yes, yes, they're hysterical. Um, um I don't know whether it was unfairly maligned. I mean, I think maybe it was fair. Uh, I, I like the movie, but I mean, you can't make the audience feel a certain way about about something. You know, it's like that's fine. They just they don't like it. I, it's interesting. I I, I guess I, I don't really know, but I'm I'm guessing some of that, especially with him as well, is is you know your uh, South African sensibilities or sense of humor because it's just no. something that that. that uh, is, is different and I don't quite recognize it, but I really love it. I, I don't know that culture enough to, to, yeah. to recognize I, it. I, don't, I, I mean, in the case of Chappie, I don't think that's what the audience was pushing back against. I think, I think what, they were, what they were resisting was, was the movie was meant to be, um, it was meant to ask these massive, deep philosophical questions about mm-hmm. the, nature of, the nature of what it means to exist and whether, whether you should exist. And like the corruption of the soul just by being born into the material world, which is a very Gnostic idea. And when you, when you throw ideas that are that big um, up against like the most insane bubblegum lunacy, like just comedic, you know, insanity that the rest of the movie is, people will see those two things as tonally not being able to exist together. Right. They, they they should not exist together. And it like, it, it, the audience rejects it so they're meant to because that's how it was constructed right um, the juxtaposition right You're yeah aiming but for that. <laughs> but but like but i also totally understand why people would would not know what to make of that it you know both both things are true it's like uh yeah so I, I, it's not the South Africanism of it. It's, it's, you, you, it could have been anything. You could have flipped, you could have switched them out with crazy French rappers or, or, or French Canadian rappers, you know, or anything. It could have been anything. It's like, it's not the nature of South Africanism. It's the, it's the nature of, of something farcical and insane and, and somewhat funny married up sure. against like some of the deepest things you can ask and it, yeah. that shouldn't exist together. Right. No, I guess I just meant like your sense of humor because I, I couldn't say what South African humor is, but do you feel like, <laughs> your sensibilities are steeped in that like does that no that, no? no i don't i don't think so i don't think so i think i think um i think that i for me personally the stuff that i find funny is a lot darker and a lot more yeah, like tell me, fucked tell up me about than, some of your comedic influences because nobody talks about that but it's clearly there i mean the stuff's hilarious to me. i mean I, everything everything really is monty python i think for me it all it all comes back to monty python you know, like I was just obsessed with Monty Python forever. I mean, you really should watch God from Oats. Like it's sounding more and I'm more. Like you should, you should watch. Yeah, no, you should I'm watch to- that. I'm, I'm totally gonna do it. So, what about like Canadian comedy? Like, I don't know how how soon you got to Canada, but you know, obviously Canada has a rich, rich uh, mm. thing of uh, industry of comedy as well. You know, does that? Um, make- I, I got to I got to Canada basically in 1998. So it's oh, it's okay. funny. Canada I have I have like a cultural black hole like pre 98 that I don't oh, okay. people reference stuff and I don't know what it is. Um, but beyond that, I kind of know everything. And what are you thinking? Well, I was thinking like, you know, SCTV and, 
um, kids in the hall and, uh, yeah, see, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have, uh, I didn't have kids in the hall. Was it, was it mad TV? Was that a thing? Mad TV? What, 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 there's a show that I'm trying to remember. There is mad TV, but that's American, I think. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Right. When I got to Canada, um, that was, that was just like on TV, which would be insane for that to be on television in South Africa. And, and I was like, what the hell is going on here? I, and I never went back and revisited it. It was like a month that I saw it on TV. And I thought, that it, just the fact that it was on normal television was 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 strange coming from south africa mm. interesting interesting i didn't know that so what uh do you know what you're doing next i think so um but we shall see uh was it that gonna be inferno maybe inferno inferno is one of the one of the projects that yeah is is up in the air but there's something that may be sooner than that interesting so Sounds like you're galvanized by this clip and kind of want to not have a, a, a longer gap and get right into it. Well, I, I mean, I just, you know, I just took some time to, yeah, I just took some time to kind of reflect on things and, and think and play with some other stuff. But I, I do feel now like I want to, I want to get back into, into feature length directing for a good chunk of time. So will we see something announced maybe soon? I think so. Maybe, maybe relatively soon. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool. All right. Well, uh, I appreciate you taking the time to talk. Um, I, I dig the movie. It's very gnarly in a, in a very good way. And yeah, and, uh, uh, I'm, I'm Thanks, man. Been tracking everything and the career. And I, now I want to go see God because it sounds uh, very much up my alley and uh, hmm. uh, wish you the best. And I hope we see some more because I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Thanks, Rodrigo. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. Cool, man. Okay, Bye bye. Okay. That's it. I hope you enjoyed that. As always, I'm striving to make Deep Focus a regular thing, but you know things are, are about to be really nuts right now. The Fall Film Festival season is crazy. Telluride, Venice, Toronto, New York Film Festival is coming up. It's going to be a hectic time. But you'll be hearing from me, us, the entire site, one way or another, either on this pod, one of the other podcasts, on the site, on social. Please keep us locked in and uh, dialed in for all the details on all the stuff that's going to be happening in the next couple months uh, as we sort of, you know, start to begin to segue into Oscar season. Um, a final reminder that Deep Focus is part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes Be Real, the regular weekly Playlist Podcast, the Discourse, the Fourth Wall, and more. And we can be heard on iTunes, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You know, do us a big favor. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast, drop us a comment or a rating. We, we really do appreciate it. You know, that's like helping us uh, keep going. You know, we don't ask for much more. <laughs> so uh, if you can do that and that little bit to keep us going, to, to uh, help us keep bringing you these conversations, uh, that would be awesome and very much appreciated. So uh, thank you for listening and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.